Thank you guys. Hey, welcome. It's good to, good to see everyone here today. Um, my name is, my name is Jeep Underwood and I'm going to be speaking today, continuing a message series, uh, that we've started a couple weeks ago on, uh, prayer, dangerous prayers. And, uh, the last, like, couple weeks ago, uh, one thing Alex spoke on was just this prayer of search me. You know, is there a, is there a, uh, is there something in me that's preventing me from connecting to God the way He wants me to? Then last week, uh, we heard about the prayer, just break me. Like, is there, is there something in me that's, that, that is preventing God? Would you really break that out of me so that I could connect to you the way that you desire? Today, Today we're going to be looking at a prayer. The, the phrase we're looking at is "strengthen me," and uh, I just today's today's talk is kind of is, what I want to do today is kind of put some context for those prayers. Um, you know, uh, search me, break me, so that. You know, what is the so that? What what is what is what are we uh, what are we a part of? Um, in a nutshell, what we're a part of is that God really wants us to have an adventurous, fulfilling life. And to really be making a difference in the world. That's something he desires. Now, now when I think of adventure, uh, I don't, I grew up in the eighties, uh, late seventies and eighties. I think of Indiana Jones. You know, I remember Indiana Jones blew me away when I was a, a 14 year old. And then, you know, they came out again when I was 17. And then I actually skipped, uh, well, I probably shouldn't tell you that, but I remember, uh, when the third one came out, I was in college and I didn't study as well as I should have for the next day. Because, uh, it came out the night before. And it was for a final. So obviously, scholastic achievement was really high for me. But I really like, I love, it's just so entertaining watching Indiana Jones in, in those movies. But one thing, one thing, have you ever thought, like, what would it be like to be Indiana Jones? I mean, actually, you know, maybe I'm the only person who thinks this way, but it's like, what if you were actually in the story? It probably wasn't all that enjoyable. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> It's like he's almost getting killed like every all the time. It's like a real dangerous place he's at, but it's very adventurous. But there's a lot of danger. You know, it's like uh, only the penitent man will pass. He drops down, blade comes across, he almost dies. Walk in the name of God. He misses a step, he almost falls to his death. Comes against his chasm, there's no way across. Oh, it's a leap of faith. Oh, man. And then he steps out, and he's like, I hate these things. And he steps out, and he's okay. But, man, everything, it could like, if something could go really wrong. Um, and really it's dangerous and get really overwhelming when you're actually in the middle of an adventure. And today I, want, I just wanted to look at, uh, to kind of start off with just kind of a misconception. Like as you, as you walk with God, it's really easy to, it's really easy to get a kind of a misconception that really you're kind of blazing your own trail in life. And you ask for help whenever you need it. Like God just kind of goes, see ya, good luck. And you just kind of, you're blazing your own trail. And what we kind of do, and, and, you know, I have to apologize up front. I'm an engineer, so my illustrations sometimes deal with math. And you're thinking, I didn't want to talk about math today. But this is a real simple concept. If you take 1 and you divide it by 10, you get a very small number. If you take 100 and divide it by 10, you get a very big number. Now, you're thinking, well, Jeep, thanks. <laughs> Thank you for that. But if you think that there's just that same concept that goes through our minds when we when we look at something we're facing, we we tend to look at here's something we're facing in life, and we tend to divide it by the capacity we have to do things. So here's what we're facing. 
This is the capacity we have. And when the capacity we have to do things is much bigger than what we're facing, well, it results in a really small number, and, and we feel like, I got this. I got this. And when you, when you feel like, I got this, prayer doesn't make a lot of sense because you got this. Like, if I ever need help, I will pray. And so you kind of have that. So that's a real misconception that can happen. So what's, what's God really doing? You know, what is, what is it that he's doing in the world? Um, just, just in a, in just kind of a real quick nutshell, you know, God is doing something in the world that he de- He's doing something. He's really doing something in this world that he really desires that each one of us would really walk with him and be a part of what he's doing. And just to quote Jesus was he quoted the prophet Isaiah. What God's really about is, is really binding up the brokenhearted. He's about uh, proclaiming freedom for the captives. He's about uh, proclaiming release from darkness for those who are in prison, prisoners. You know what? That's, that's who I was. I know personally that's exactly where God found me. And what he wants to do is he wants to take those people and work in their lives and change them over time so they become oaks of righteousness. And they begin to be the kind of people that people go, wow, there must be something else going on here because I know that guy. And he's, he's now able to do things that he never, he never was there before. Something's happening. Something is that God is really working in that person's life. And, and really just, uh, what happens to, uh, as well is God, God begins to look as good as he really is to the people around that person. And that's really what God is really wanting to do is to have people walk with him, participate in that process where he really changes them and then invite other people into that as well. And that's just in a nutshell, like what God's going on. Now, all through the scripture, God has this huge, there's an invitation all through scripture for us to join him to really walk with him and join him. And I want to take a look at just a couple of them today. There's many, 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 many ways we could go, but let's take a look at Micah 6, 8. It says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. One thing, you know, God, he really desires that we would really walk with him through life that we wouldn't be doing it on our own. And he wants us to do justice. He wants us to really do right things, just things, really do well with our lives. He wants us to be very relational. He wants us to be very kind people. And he wants us to really make a difference in the world. And uh, what he wants to do is he wants to take our story and bring it into his story of what he's doing. It's a, it's a, it's a huge invitation. And then let's go to the next verse I'll look at is Ephesians 2.10. Uh, it just says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So you, there's this idea, this picture where God wants us to walk with him. And then he's providing these steps. He, he's already he's already thought through how he wants it to go. And he's laid these steps in front of us, these opportunities. And he wants us to step into them so that we can really make a difference. God, God really wants to teach us to be His men and women, uh, right where we work and live, right in the middle of our real lives. So, you know, right where you, right where you work, you know, wherever you spend your creative energy, that's really where, that's really where God wants to really walk with us. For many of us, that'd be a, the job that we go to. Uh, for some of us, it might be that we're homeschooling and that's where our creative energy is, is, is really spent in the relational connectedness that's there. 
You might be a stay-at-home mom, and that's really where the creative energy is providing this home that's a nurturing environment to really take care of your kids and really propel them for advancement in life. There's just, that's right where God wants to walk with us. And also, it just, you know, more general categories of just parenting, uh, marriage. That's right. All those things that just make up our actual lives, that's right where God wants to, to walk with us. And He really wants to make a difference. He wants us to make a difference for the kingdom right where we live. Now, now, many times when you, when you, when you, when you begin to walk with God and you begin to step into those opportunities that he's putting out, something else happens in that equation I was talking about. The things you're facing tend to get pretty big. God tends to put you in places where it's actually way beyond your capacity and way, and it's way over your head. And, but his intention is to really walk with you through that. So when you, when you come across something and you're like, there's, here's where, here's what I'm facing and you divide that by what your capacity is, and what your capacity is actually much lower than what you're facing, you get a big number. And when you get a big number, you, you get overwhelmed, you get it goes on over your head and you're beyond your capacity. And it can really rattle your cage. And it can really feel dangerous. And uh that's when that's when you know you're Indiana Jones and you say, Neil. You know, it's like, oh gosh, something's coming. And we're actually gonna try to do something here. So you so then what I want to, what I want to talk about today, that was just to kind of frame that is, I think that's a real common place. I think it's a real common place for, for us. In fact, I would, uh, I would venture a guess that there are several people here tonight, today, myself included, that feels right there, over my head, beyond my capacity, what it is that, that God has in front of me. So how do you handle it when the dangerous times come? How do you handle that? And what I want to do today, I want to look for some insight uh, with, a, with a person in the Scriptures who really dealt with dangerous times. And that's Hezekiah. He's, the, he's one of the kings of Judah. And, you know, the Scriptures, the scriptures are really their historical accounts that really, that, that really show us who God is and how he really acts with people and how things turn out. And so what I want to do is, first of all, I want to introduce you to him and kind of like what he was like. And then I want to tell you what he faced. So let's start off. Let's look at uh, 2 Kings 18, 5 through 7. This is, uh, it says, He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor among those who were before him. For he clung to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him, Wherever he went, he prospered. You know, Hezekiah, he's one of those guys, he took God up on his invitation. He actually decided he really wanted to walk with God. Now, he didn't have a very good dad. His dad, uh, King Ahaz, he took all the, he actually pursued other gods. He like tore down things in the temple. He completely took all the, he took the people and totally led them completely a different way and really put the kingdom in disarray. And it's like, oh, here you go, son, your turn. And so, Hezekiah comes in, he decides he's going to walk with God, and he's going to follow what Moses, what God had commanded Moses. And he starts doing all these reforms. He uh, he repairs the temple. He uh, restores the temple worship. He calls all Israel back to God. He says, return to him so he can return to us. He calls people back. And then he reinstituted the Passover feast. It had been really neglected. And the people 
had such a great time that they just tacked on an extra seven days because they just didn't want it to end. I mean, this is a guy, he comes in and he is, he is making a difference and he's getting people back with their hearts back to God. Then, then some things began to happen. Uh, some dangerous times came. Let's take a look at Second Chronicles 31, 32, 1 Chronicles 32.1. It says, After these acts of faithfulness, which is what I was just talking about, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah and besieged the fortified cities and thought to break into them for himself. Now, Sennacherib, the kings of Assyria, have t- had taken all these kingdoms out. In fact, in the sixth year of Hezekiah, they took out the northern kingdom of Israel completely, and it never recovered. They now call them the lost tribes of Israel. Now he's now he's on his way to Judah. In fact, right when the story starts, he's actually attacking a city uh, just about 30 miles away from Jerusalem. Go ahead and go to the next slide. This is just a graphic that just gives you a, just gives a picture of his route as he came down the coast, conquering cities and countries and he's in this little town called Lashish which I'm probably mispronouncing uh but he's down in this he's in a little this little town or this city of Lashish and he's he's attacking it when this when this story starts and one thing so Hezekiah he knows it's coming but there's some time and so what he does is he realizes something and that is that he's perfectly poised to make a difference He's perfectly poised to make a difference because of the leadership role that he has. And so what he does is he, he gets people rallied together. And he does, he builds this underground, uh, aqueduct, which brings water from outside the city inside the city so that if they get besieged, they have water inside the city. 1700 feet long underground is like one of the engineering marvels of that age. It's still there. If you go visit, you can go check out Hezekiah's tunnel. Then, um, he also, uh, he repaired the wall where it needed it, and then he built an outer wall. And so he's just doing everything he can to just get their defenses ready. And then he, I think this may be one of the key things he did, is he encouraged his people personally. He began to talk to them, and he said, he said things like, be strong and courageous. We're going we're gonna to get ready for this. And then he said things like, the one with us is greater than the one with him. And what the, what the scriptures say is that the people relied on the words of Hezekiah. And they rallied and they did all those things that needed to get them ready for this possible coming invasion. So he did, he did really well. Now, right about that time, uh, the king of Assyria conquers Lashish, takes them out. In fact, if you, you can Google this on the internet, you can see pictures of the city. They've excavated it. You can even see the siege ramps. They're still in place. Like, I mean, they took this place out. In fact, let's go ahead and go to the next slide. Now this, this is a room in the British Museum. And this is called the Lashish Room. So what Sinacherim did is he had this, these are stone hangings. And this is a replica of what they found when they excavated his, his, uh, palace. And on the, on the walls, uh, it's basically a depiction of everything he did against the city of Lashish. Completely just, you know, you talk about talking smack. I mean, this, this guy, he was, he like, I, I don't know what he did. He like just sit in there in a chair and just go, ah, the sheesh. I took him out. I don't know. I don't know what he did with this room, but this room is just commemorating that city, how he destroyed it. Um, 
And then he sends a message right when he, right about the time he's finishing conquering Lashish, he sends a message through with messengers uh, to Hezekiah. And this is what they say. Let's look at Second uh, Kings 18 or 19, yeah, 18, 19. Then, you know, Rabishaka, that's, I'm gonna name my third, fourth kid. If we have a we'll name of that. No. Actually, it's, it's a, it's actually a title. Uh, but it says, then he said to them, say now to Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, what is this confidence that you have? You say, but they're only empty words. I have counsel and strength for the war. Now on whom are you rely? Who are, do you rely? And that you have rebelled against me? And then he goes on and he lists all these peoples that he's destroyed. And it's, it's kind of a long list. And he's just, he's just saying, you know what? You need to quit now. You need to give up. Come on out. Hey, I'll take care of you guys. Just give up. Cause I'm coming. And, you know, in fact, let's go to the next slide. This, this is another archaeological find. This is called Sennacherib's Prism. It's a big stone monolith and it has cuneiform writing all around it. And this is just his bragging pole. So it's like every conquest he did is on here. And one of the phrases on here, really interesting, it says, I had Hezekiah trapped in the royal city like a bird in a cage. And if you ever, if you ever wanted to understand or know, is the, is the scripture actually historically accurate? The answer is yes. They keep digging things out of the ground to line up. So, they dig this out, and that's actually what Sinachar's mindset was. I've got him right where I want him, and I'm going there next. And he had reason to believe that. Now, this is right where it got really real for Hezekiah. For him, this is when the bottom really dropped out. In fact, it says, it says that he tore his clothes, and he put on sackcloth, and he took some messengers, and he sent them. He sent them to uh, Isaiah. He says, go to Isaiah the prophet and ask him to pray for us. And tell Isaiah that this is a day of distress. This is a day of rebuke. And this is a day of of, uh, of rejection. And maybe God will hear what Sinacherib has said and really bring judgment on him. And so he says, go pray to Now, this is right moment. Hezekiah felt completely over his head. And he felt completely beyond his capacity. And I don't know about you, but I can relate to that feeling. There are many times in my life and the things I'm dealing with right now that I can relate to that feeling. And I, and I would, I would think that probably a lot of people here can really like, you know what? I know that feeling over my head out of capacity. But there's one thing too. And I want to, I want to really make a point of this. There's one thing that still was true and it didn't, it wasn't tied to how he felt. It wasn't tied to anything. It just remained true, and that is he was still poised to make a difference. He was still perfectly poised to make a difference. And so what happened next is Isaiah sends a message back. He says, you know, he prayed. God answered the prayer. He sends it back, and I'm going to paraphrase. He basically said, hey, God says you're going to be okay. And uh, the king is going to hear a rumor and return to his own land, and then people are going to take him out there. And it's like, and I'm sure that was a very encouraging word, and I'm sure that really encouraged Hezekiah. But right when that word came, another word came. And that was, Sennacherib sent a letter. He sent a letter to Hezekiah with his messenger again. 
And, uh, this is, and what I want, when I, in this letter, essentially what he said was, don't let your God deceive you, saying you'll be spared. For the kings of Assyria have destroyed every God from where I started to where, to where you're at. What makes you think your God's any different? And that's what his letter said. Now, what I want to do right now is, typically what I don't do is read a section of scripture, but I want us to take a look and what did Hezekiah do? When he got that letter. Let's take a look. Then Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And he went up to the house of the Lord and he spread it out before the Lord. Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, who are enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Let's go to the next slide. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and listen to the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Syria have devastated the nations in their lands. Go ahead, go next. And they've cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. So they have, so they have destroyed them. Now, O Lord our God, I pray, deliver us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. That is some kind of prayer. And that is a prayer by a man who's out of his capacity and he needs help and he needs strength. Um, let's, uh, I'd like us to take a look at what God's response was to Hezekiah and what his response was to the letter that Sennacherib sent. So let's take a look. The next one. This, uh, then Isaiah the son of Amos. Now, no one went and got Isaiah that time. God did. And he said, hey, go talk to Hezekiah. He said, he said, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, because you have, because you have prayed to me about Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, I have heard you. This is the word that the Lord has spoken against him. Now, I just want you to just, just let that phrase just land. He, God said, because you prayed to me. This is what I'm going to do. He'd already said what he was going to do, but then he, he, uh, he, he changed, he, he kind of changed up some things and he did something very different. He did something a lot more different. And, uh, you know, a good friend of mine will say, there are things God does when you pray that he doesn't, if you don't. And I think that's exactly where Hezekiah was is he went and he just laid it out to God and he said, God, I need help. And he went personally to God, and it was specifically prayed for what he was dealing with. And then, uh, so let's take, now let's take a look at what God had to say in response to the letter. Now, what God said was about this long. I'm not going to read all that, but I can tell you this. I don't ever want God to say anything like that to me. Uh, but what I did is I just pulled out a few verses that really capture what God had to say. So this is directed to Sennacherib. And he says, have you not heard? Long ago I did it. From ancient times I planned it. Now I have brought it to pass that you should turn fortified cities into ruinous heaps. He's usually saying, you know, this is no trick at all. Why do you think, why do you think everyone you fight against, you win? It's because I planned it a long time ago. And you're just a plain piece on the board. You, you've, you've lost, you have no idea like who you really are. He says, I've planned this. And so then let's go to the next. Then he says, to send a cherub, he says, because of your raging against me and because your arrogance has come to my ears, 
Therefore I will put my hook in your nose and my bridle in your lips, and I will turn you back the way you came. Now, I'm not sure, but I don't think he got talked to much like that. I don't, I don't think there's anybody in Sennacherib's life that talked to him like that. But, you know, when you're the God of the universe, you stand in awe of no one. And, you know, Sennacherib didn't rattle God one bit. And he told him, actually, I'm going to take you back the way you came. Let's go to the next slide. Kind of wrapped it up and he says, Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He will not come to this city or shoot an arrow there, and he will not come before it with a shield or throw up a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, by the same way he will return, and he shall not come to this city, declares the Lord. So, you know, that night and that morning, 185,000 Assyrian soldiers didn't wake up. You know, that kind of, that kind of, they, they, they died. And, uh, that kind of ruins your whole invasion plans. You know, it's, you know, King Sennacherib, all of a sudden, like the, the air goes out of his balloon and he actually goes right back home just the way he came. You know, if we went back to that map, that's how he went back home. And that, and what happened was exactly what God said was going to happen. So let's go to, and actually what happened is when he got there, he was in the temple of his own God and his two sons killed him. I guess his son wasn't, I mean, I guess his God wasn't quite as powerful as he thought. Uh, so let's go to the next slide. You can see how it kind of wraps up. This is kind of how the scriptures wrap up this story. It says, so the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hands of Sennacherib and the king, the king of Assyria and from the hand of all others and guided them on every side. And many were bringing gifts to the Lord of Jerusalem and choice presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all nations thereafter. One thing, one thing that happened is that Hezekiah and the kingdom of Judah began to gain a lot of respect. People went, you know what? Hezekiah plus God, you don't want to mess with. You know, his God actually has something on the ball. And people began to actually bring him gifts like, hey, we're good, right? <laughs> you like us. And he actually, it, it actually, it, 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 I can't talk. It issued in a season of peace. And so what God was doing is he was actually bringing, he was bringing the season of peace to Hezekiah's kingdom. And he also, um, you know, the people that, that uh, he led, they really were taken care of. So the things that were really weighing on Hezekiah, he, God really took care of. And he walked, so Hezekiah, he really walked with God in his life, really made a difference. Now, I want to go back to that equation that I was talking about. You got, you know, the things you're facing and then your capacity to handle, you know, to do things. There's actually another variable in there when you walk with God. There's another variable, and that is what you do is you take the things you're facing, your capacity, and you add God's capacity to it. Now, when you do that, God's capacity is unlimited. And uh, what you wind up is with a very, very, very small number. And so you're actually able to handle things that you really can't handle because of who you're with. You know, it's kind of like uh, when you go on the playground, and, you know, the kids are messing with you and you go, hey, meet my big brother. Yeah, Jim, come here. Uh, anybody want to take us? <laughs> you know, the kids are going, oh, no. You know, it's, it's when you take God's capacity and you add it to yours, then you actually, that's how God, that's how he enables us to really accomplish the things that he really has in front of us, the opportunities he brings up. That's really what that looks like. Now, there's a, God, 
God one time was talking with Moses and he told Moses, this is in uh, Numbers, he told Moses when he's going to do something and God asked him, man, how could you do that? How could you actually make that happen? And God, his answer to him was, is my power limited? That was, that was the, that was, that was his response. Is my power limited? And actually he said a little more, but God is the only person in the universe that can ask the question, is my power limited? And it's a rhetorical question. He's the only one. And that, that's, that's who we're, that's who we're partnering with. That's who has invited us into what he's doing in the world. Now, most of us are not dealing with army invasions. You know, that's, that's, that's true. Uh, now, so what is that, you know, how does that connect to our real lives? You know, as we, the principles are all the same. There's no change in those principles. As we walk with God and we participate with Him and He puts opportunities in front of us that are beyond our capacity, what happens is we're over our heads, we're beyond our capacity, but we're perfectly poised to make a difference. And if, and then when you're in that situation, you pray specifically for strength and help, then God and you work together and things happen uh, that are really unexplainable except in terms of God. And you really, then you stand back, you watch what God does in your life, and you see the impact that begins to happen around your life. That's That's really what it looks like, and that's why it makes sense to really pray for strength and walk with God. What I want us to do today as I'm, I'm gonna, as I'm moving to just wrap this up is I'd like to, I'd like to ask that each of us spend some time asking and answering a question. The question is, how am I poised to make a difference in my life right now? How am I poised in my life to make a difference right now? That's a really, really important question. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe for you there's a role that you've been shying away from because it feels dangerous. You know, maybe for you what you need to do is step into that role and, uh, and really walk with God and, and actually pray for strength and ask Him to, to help. Maybe, maybe you need to learn to begin to walk with God initially. Maybe, maybe you really see life as you're just, you're on your own. And that's really, you know, you really aren't connected with God. Maybe for you, learning how to walk with God is, is really uh, where you're at. Maybe uh, maybe you need to learn to pray specifically and not try to just figure everything out on your own. You know, maybe that's maybe that's something that that's really where you're at today is to really think through what's facing you and then pray specifically for that and then move into it and watch God work with you. You know, maybe your schedule's so full of things that you just you can't even really can't really know really like where you're poised because you're just so busy doing things. You know, maybe your vision of success has crowded your schedule where you really can't see where you're poised to make a difference. That Maybe that's where you're at. And maybe you're here today and you're, and you're doing really well. Maybe you're doing really well. You're walking with God and you're, you're stepping into things that God has you doing. You're over your head. You're beyond your capacity. And you're praying for help and you're moving out. You know, maybe this talk today, maybe it's just an encouragement that, man, you're on the right track. Uh, maybe that's what today is. So, you know, because, you know, that's why, you know, the first two weeks in this series, you know, search me. You know, I would pray that God would search, search you and search me to find out, is there something that's in the way of this? 
Is there, and God, if there is, would you break me of that? Would you break me of what it is that's kind of in the way of me really connecting to you like this? And that, that, uh, would be a, I think that'd be a very, very, very helpful thing is to pray things like that. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to ask the band to go ahead and come back up and just walk through a few next steps. Uh, I kind of went through some just now, but just kind of summarize, um, you know, maybe for you tonight, today, a next step is really just to consider accepting the invitation to follow Jesus and walk with him. Maybe that's where you're at. Uh, maybe for you just asking, in fact, I like, to, I like to ask everybody to do this, but ask the question, how am I poised to make a difference in my life, difference in the world? Um, and then the, the last one, you know, uh, maybe, uh, maybe for you developing a habit of meeting with God regularly so you can really just have the, the vehicle through which you're really connected to him. That might be where you're at. Um, that's a big part of walking with God. And maybe, maybe there's something else. So you can just, you can just think that through and think what would be good for you. Let me pray for us and we'll, we'll get back to, uh, worship. Father, God, um, Father, I, I stand before you very grateful that you rescued me from, uh, from a life of, of just not having much impact at all. And God, just, uh, the way that you've worked in me and the way you've really, uh, that you've really just uh, brought me, brought me to a place where, where, uh, God, I, I guess what I had before was more of a pointless direction, but you gave me some direction in life, and it's just made all the difference. God, I pray for each one of us today that you'd really help us to learn how to walk with you and participate with you in the world. In Jesus' name, Amen.